0: Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts souls and minds.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne,
0: and today's going to be a little different. You might know different graphic on the cover. And that's because I'm joined here today with my friend Ivy. You heard Ivy before. Say hello, Ivy. Hello, everyone. If you guys remember this voice, you heard her and I think it was episode eight, way back in the beginning of the podcast, where she talked about sleep and using cognitive behavioral therapy for sleep and insomnia. And so that was kind of like a really informative and helpful episode. But today I became back just to have some fun with me, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm all about the fun.
0: Yeah, so we are actually going to be talking about Disney's Encanto today, and Ivy, tell the listeners why you wanted to talk about Encanto.
1: Let me tell you something. I have a maybe slight obsession with Encanto because it really just reminds me of my family a little bit. Don't tell them. (laughs) Don't tell them. And so many other families that I have encountered, especially as a therapist. So I think there's a lot to unpack there.
0: Yeah. So I be your mom and I'm a mom. Our kids are close in age. Can you say
1: the ages of your kids? My son is 13 and my daughter is nine, almost 10.
0: Okay. And mine are 11, nine, and six. And so it, it's not unusual for us to have Disney Plus on in the household, right? <laughs>
1: Of course. Of course. That's normal. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't
0: know if you're like me where like a new Disney movie comes out and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to let the kids watch that. And then you might just have like something else going on and that you're doing while the kids are watching it because you're a mom mm-hmm. and you got to stay busy and all that stuff. And so that was kind of the attitude that I came into and with that. Like, okay, the kids are going to watch it, but it'll just be cute. And the music will be catchy. And then, you know, move on with my life. And then I started seeing different posts from therapists on like Facebook groups that we were a part of, and I was like, Well, what's happening? All these therapists are talking about this Disney movie. Like, what? There must be something more. (laughs) And so then, when I actually sat down and watched
1: it, I was like, "Oh, so it's a family therapy movie." (laughs) Exactly. You know what? My experience with Encanto was a little bit different. So I, I say often that I'm really 12 years old. I'm just Mm -hmm. pretending to be in my 30s, and I do love cartoons. I really do. And it was over the Christmas break. We were on vacation and we all sat as a family, including my parents, which was oh, yeah. rare because my parents don't do cartoons. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is us, but I can't say anything out loud. I better just be quiet and act normal. And, and I, I've been obsessed ever since then.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what's funny? Yesterday, I took my middle child to the orthodontist uh, and his orthodontist is about the same age as us, like late thirties. They had the movie on in the office and his orthodontist started talking to me about the TikToks he was watching and how people are talking <laughs> about the mental health implications of the, um, the film. So uh-huh. I was there sitting, uh, waiting for my son to get his braces adjusted <laughs> and I texted <laughs> you and I was like, let's do this episode because I know you love it. And yes. it'll be fun to talk about, and it'll be a little change of pace for the Soul Grit Podcast. And so never fear, everyone. We are going to tie this into your Christian faith. So yes. that is coming. Stay tuned. This, this episode is for everybody. If you haven't watched the, uh, the movie yet, you probably want to go and do that, and then you'll feel a little more connected after you hear what we have to say. But, um, well, let's get going. Like, Let's talk about we're going to talk about kind of like the family systems overview mm-hmm. of the yes. Madrigal family.
1: Yes. So yes. So, tell us what you see, Ivy. Okay. So Abuela has clearly gone through just a horrific trauma. She's been displaced from her home. She's gone through, I guess, like war. So I see her as the immigrant refugee her husband dies and she's left with these babies. Just, I can't even imagine a young mom with triplets. And then she's left with this miracle, and she really believes that it is her job to protect her family keep this miracle alive and almost give back the blessings that she's been blessed with by helping this entire town and as she's on her quest to keep things normal and healthy for her family and keep the family together she almost destroys the family in some way you know so she's she's the antagonist who really isn't and it's just it just really shows how trauma, unhealed trauma, can be passed down the generational line without even knowing it. So I see a lot of trauma just all over the place with Abuela.
0: Okay. And so then the next generation is this uh, set of triplets, and uh-huh. it's Peppa and Julieta and Bruno. Bruno. Okay. And so, how do you see that trauma passed down into this generation?
1: Oh my goodness. Peppa is a ball of nerves. She just anxious, anxious, anxious. And we see that she's not being validated at all. Whenever she has a cloud, everybody's like, Peppa, you have a cloud. Just like get rid of those emotions. Get rid of those emotions. Like what's wrong with you, Peppa? And she's just, just anxious, anxious, anxious. And she's wanting to be perfect. There was a scene where Abuela is looking at her. They're getting ready for something. Peppa has a cloud and Abuela is like, you have a cloud. And Pepper is like, what do you want from me? Like she's so <laughs> overwhelmed, but nobody sees that. They just look at her as like, she's just too much. She's too much for us. Yeah. And then we have Julieta who she's that one person in the family who it appears like she's not really affected too much negatively by all of the trauma that has happened in the family. You know, she's the healer. She's yeah. the lover. She's the soft one emotionally. Her daughter can come and bond with her like she's just a nurturer within the family. So, again, that's one thing I do have to say, though, because your family has struggled with trauma doesn't necessarily mean that you will inherit trauma. Because I, I hear people ask me that all the time, like my mom suffered this horrible trauma. Does that mean that I'm going to experience the same thing as her? No, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, that brings us to Bruno. Bruno. Oh, we don't talk Bruno. about Bruno. No, we don't talk about Bruno. Like <laughs> we just, we just don't. Like Bruno, literally, he sees the future and he actually disappeared, and nobody's looking for Bruno. Yeah, it, it's it's so odd. Fun. Yes, yeah. it's like nobody's they're all relieved that
0: he's disappeared. Yes,
1: yes, because he was the one who sees the future. He says things as they are. When he sees things about to happen, things that are negative, he just he just says it like this is about to happen some of the things he sees are just observations. And some of the things he sees are actual prophecies. But nobody wants to hear that because remember Abuela is trying to keep this perfect family going. They want everything to be colorful and bright and wonderful. And I don't want this guy to come in and ruin our magic. So they're almost relieved, like at least he's gone and we'll never talk about him. And families will do that sometimes with trauma. Like this really horrible thing will happen. And it's like, Let's not talk about it because if we talk about it, we're going to taint the family. So we're just going to pretend it's not happening, but it's, it's eating away at the house. Literally it's eating away at the foundation of the house, but we're all going to pretend like, like we're all, it's all good. Like God has our back. We're all good. We're not going to talk about anything. Let's just move on and act like we're perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I noticed even in the song about Bruno, like the people who come in, in the town square and they say like these terrible things that Bruno said about them. Yes. It's like, my he said my fish was going to die and then it did. And I'm like, hmm, well, 100% of people who have fishes have a dead <laughs> fish at some point. Yes. And the other two are like, he said I was going to grow a gut or he said I was going to lose all my hair. And like, what yep. percentage of men have one of those two things happen to them exactly. as they age? So Bruno wasn't saying any, like in those situations, he wasn't saying mm-hmm. like these terrible things. He was yes. just saying like, this is life. And and exactly. people couldn't accept that. They, they thought it was negative.
1: Absolutely. And I think we're like that as humans. Sometimes we think that reality equals negativity. Like if I say to you, like I'm noticing this pattern and something might change in your life and you're like, no, if you're not going to talk to me about my life being perfect and everything being rainbows and sunshine, then you're a negative person and you're toxic, which I feel like that word is sometimes overused. So I'd just much rather just push you out and, and cancel you
0: yeah okay so in the next generation um we don't have to go into each of these but i was thinking about the cousin dolores she has this gift of like supernatural hearing right how is this a plot hole or is this a plot feature that she doesn't hear bruno in the walls of the house
1: she hears bruno in the walls of the house but nobody believes her did she speak about it she did. She said part. that she associates him with the sound of, um, of shifting sand and she hears him mumbling, uh-huh. but nobody will believe her is the problem. So mm-hmm. she can hear him the entire time, but everybody's like, shh, shh. we don't talk about Bruno, just move away. Uh, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about that character, Dolores, in, in the, the family system as somebody that mm-hmm. can hear everything?
1: Yes she can hear everything, but she's not really allowed to speak about all the different dynamics that she's seeing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would also bring up some type of anxiety because you can see everything going on, but you're not quite allowed to say like things here are not perfect. And there's literally somebody at the back of the wall and I can hear him, <laughs> but it, it, it must be just really, really nerve wracking. And Probably drives her crazy a little bit because at the end when they found Bruno, she had mentioned like, like I told you, I don't know who she was talking to, like her brother or somebody. Like I told you, I'm like that must really drive you nuts to see. Like I can hear this guy the entire time. Like he's not gone, but nobody's believing her. And um, families will do that. Like let's not talk about it. She's like a mini Bruno almost. She's talking. She yeah. she can hear things that Bruno can see. Almost. She's trying
0: to speak the the truth uh, or the reality and yes. they're not accepting it. So, yeah. and then that she has two little brothers, right? Camilo mm-hmm. and Antonio. Yes. W- what roles do you see those two playing?
1: Camilo is almost the perfect person in that family, in my opinion, because he's a shapeshifter. You know, mm-hmm. he can become whomever the community needs him to become. So that must be just such a wonderful gift for him because he basically is a perfect person. Like he becomes whomever you need him to be. You see him when they're getting ready for the big ceremony. He's like high-fiving people. He's playing with the kids. He can also relate to the adults. Like he can be whomever you want him to be, but who is he really? Like, does he actually know who he is? You know, Mm -hmm. so on the outside, that's perfect. Like, yeah, everybody loves me. But on the inside, does he really know who he is? But we don't know because, you know, the movie doesn't really address that. He seems fine. He seems happy Mm -hmm. in the movie.
0: But from a family therapy perspective, too, we do see shapeshifters sometimes, right? Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely. absolutely. People
0: that have to fill so many different roles to keep different parts of their family happy that they end up losing their sense of identity
1: for themselves. Yes. Absolutely. That's a dangerous place to be. Mm -hmm.
0: Although we do see Camilo using his ability kind of in a self-serving way, like when he wants to tease someone or when like the scene where he wants to get more food. So he pretends uh to be someone else, you know,
1: he kind of uses it to his advantage. Mm -hmm. What about Antonio? Antonio is just a sweetheart. You know, he's the tender little one who can talk to the animals and At the beginning, you see him be extremely nervous because he's scared that he's not going to get a gift like his cousin. Mm Because that is the absolute worst thing that you can be in that family. You didn't get a gift, which to me is interesting because Abuela doesn't have a gift. Mm -hmm. Abuela has no gift. But Mm -hmm. But she's in charge. She's in (laughs) charge. So that's her gift, I guess, to be the Mm -hmm. the keeper of this candle and to make sure everybody is being a good steward of their gift. But Mm -hmm. Antonio seems to be... To be good because he has a cousin that he can rely on and can support and he's close to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the takeaways that I love about this movie is that even though your family is unnecessarily perfect or there's trauma around you or difficulties around you, the power of connection is so important. Mm -hmm. Connection might not necessarily make your family perfect, nobody's family is perfect, but it's so important to have those positive of you know, in people that can validate you and encourage you when things are kind of shaky for you.
0: Yeah. Okay. So before we get to the the characters in Mirabelle's generation, let's quick uh-huh. go to those that married in. So we have... Hey, guys, really quick. I want to interrupt the interview here. I'm in the editing process and realizing that we were using the wrong name for one of the characters. And it might not matter to a lot of you, but for Disney fans out there, I didn't want to be getting emails saying I was using the wrong name. So it, for the next couple of minutes, as we're talking, we're, we're saying Osvaldo, but what we really mean is Felix. And I know those sound nothing alike. I know Osvaldo is a different character in the story, a minor character, and somehow that name got stuck in our heads. And so I'm really sorry. Just anytime you hear that name, think Felix for the next couple of minutes. And back to the interview. Osvaldo and Augustine, Yeah. And they are kind of like, like they're a dynamic part of the family, but they don't have a gift, but they're kind of like along for the ride. Right. What do you think about those two?
1: So, um, for I always forget the name, but Peppa's husband, Osvaldo? Yes. He's the balance, I think, because Peppa is this ball of nerves. She's anxious all the time. She's worried. She's trying to do her best, but she clearly is not making Abuela happy at all. And her husband is this really comical person. He's really trying to support her. You know, he's like, let's not talk about Bruno because, you know, we don't want a hurricane to happen again. Like, we can't do that. And he's really just trying to support her the best way he can, even though he's not necessarily allowing her to have feelings. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, you see him in one scene, he's like pushing the cloud away. Like, oh my gosh, we can't have this anymore. But he's really trying his best because he understands, like, we need things to be perfect to keep Abuela happy and to keep this magic going. And a lot of times spouses will do that. They don't call things as they see them because they don't want to rock the boat. Who wants to rock the boat? You don't want to be the bad guy. You want to be the one who just is able to fit in, go with the flow. Don't stick out like a sore thumb.
0: It kind of reminds me of the dynamic when there's a marriage in which one spouse has a substance abuse problem Mm -hmm. and the other one has to, like, they know it's not right, and they don't want to keep it there, but they have to do certain things to keep the family safe while enabling
1: the the problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's definitely an enabler, you know, for sure, because he's not really doing anything to make the problem better. He's just like, let's just fly under the radar. Let's keep Abuela happy. Let's keep this family going. Let's not shake things up at all. Yeah. And then then the other brother-in-law? Augustine. He's, um, He's helpful, but he just he's just a mess, you know. Um, I think um what did Mirabel say? So she said something about he he's accident prone, but he means well. So <laughs> he's going around the town and he's trying to help just like his wife, Julieta. Like she's the helper, she's the nurturer, and he's going around the town trying to help, but he's always getting stung by bees, poor thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> those are those family members who they do see things are not perfect and they do try, but they just keep getting stuck as they're trying, or maybe they don't have enough support, but they're trying their best. To him, to me, like he's a good stand out standout character. Like I'd much rather you actually try to make things better than just pretend and just like be the comic relief who's like, I don't see anything going on. So he's he's trying, he's failing, but he's at least trying to make things better for everyone. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so then it kind of like the action kind of heightens around these three sisters, Luisa, Uh Isabella, and Mirabelle. So we'll say Mirabelle for last, but let's talk about uh, Luisa first. So Luisa's the strong one.
1: Oh my goodness. I see Luisa's in my practice. Like that is Mm -hmm. what I do. That's my niche completely in my practice. And Luisa is the one who like, she's carrying the entire community on her shoulders literally, right? Whenever there's a problem, even a problem that they can easily solve. Like the donkeys ran away. You can go get your own donkeys. Like you don't need <laughs> them carried. Like it's not a big right. deal. And they're like, oh, Luisa. Like even in the in the big theme song when she's talking about when um, Mirabel is singing all about the Madrigals, uh-huh. you could see like, they don't even like give her her moment in the sun. They're like, okay, Luisa. And then she has to run back to Abuela. And she feels like her worth is tied to her strength. Her worth is tied to her ability to help within the community. Mm-hmm. And so when she sings her own song, the surface pressure song, she's so concerned that she'll be worthless. She, she knows in her mind that she's worth something. But underneath it all, she's like, if I'm losing my strength, then who am I? Because what good am I going to be if I can't you know, literally carry everything in this community? It's mm-hmm. a lot but she has nobody to go to. She has nobody to talk to about this because she feels like that's my role in the family. That's my role in this town. Everybody's going to crumble without me. They can't go on without me. Um, you know, She's the rock of the family and the rock doesn't get any sleep and nobody really stops to ask the strong person, how are you doing? Do you need a break? They're just like, no, you're fine. You're strong enough so you can do it all. Exactly. So that's really tough for her. Mm-hmm. And would you say that that
0: role does Go to older sisters a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah.
1: Although I've seen, I've seen instances where the youngest carries that role, but a lot of times it's typically the older sister because it's like you know you're older, you're taller, you're wiser, you're stronger, you can do it. Let let the, let the baby rest because she's just the baby, even though the baby's like fifty.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Isabella. Oh poor Isabella. Isabella has to be perfect. You know, she's the pretty one with the long hair and just like the princess of the town going around making all these beautiful flowers, not because she likes flowers, but because Mm -hmm. she thinks that's what everybody else likes. So she doesn't really get to have an identity. She gets an identity that's just placed on her, which is the pretty one with the flowers and the hair. And she's even going to marry this guy that she doesn't even really like. But she probably feels like that's the best thing for her family. Abuela is going to be happy. It's probably going to be a nice marriage between two great families. But underneath it all, just like Luisa, she's really cracking and she's just extremely unhappy. Um, Because if everybody else is a mess, I have to be the perfect one. I don't want to be the one that Abuela has to worry about. Let's just keep it together so that this magic can keep growing. I don't want to mess it up. Nobody wants to be the, the mess up. Yeah.
0: So let's finally get
1: to Mirabelle,
0: who's the star Aww. of the show.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Mirabelle is just the ordinary one. She mm-hmm. has no gifts. She has no talents. She is in the way. She is awkward. She is weird. And she just drives Abuela nuts because <laughs> she's not doing anything. She has no role, mm-hmm. not because she cannot play a role, but because they put so much stock in this gift that everybody has. And because she doesn't have one, that's terrifying to abuela, because oh my gosh, are you going to do something to ruin this? So rather than you ruining everything that we have going on, that's really good. I just need you to just stand in the corner and just be quiet. Don't make a mess. Stay out of my way. And there's the interesting part about that dynamic in in real life families is we often think of the black sheep as the one who's on drugs or who's having all this sex or like doing all these bad things. But sometimes I see that the black sheep of the family really is the one who chose to be different than everybody else. It could be they're the only one who chose not to go to college, or they're the only one who chose to go to college, or they're the only one who chose to not be a doctor or whatever it is that Mm -hmm. is the norm within the family. And that's really Mirabelle, you know, she Mm -hmm. didn't really do anything wrong. It's not her fault. She didn't get any gifts. But she's a threat to Abuela because Abuela's just trying to keep this magic going. And she might be the one to actually destroy the magic in Abuela's mind.
0: So Mirabelle doesn't actually have a gift given by this miracle candle thing, but she does end up having a gift in that she brings the community and the family together to kind of like uh, f- actually solve their problems in a healthy way.
1: Mirabelle is the one who interrupted that trauma cycle. Yeah. she's the one who got luisa to admit that she has feelings she's the one who got um what's the other sister's name i forget isabella isabella she's the one who got isabella to admit that she does not want to be perfect and she does not really want to go around making flowers like she likes cat, she likes cacti and she likes paint <laughs> and she just wants to be herself and she doesn't want to get married right like she is the one who gets people to open up she got Um, Abuela to recognize her trauma and to apologize and to realize that this family doesn't have to be perfect. And it's not all about your gift. It's just really all about being who you are, as imperfect as you are. And she's the only one who actually went out of her way to find Bruno, bring him back and get his side of the story. So she indeed is the glue that keeps that family together, even though they don't like that.
0: Yeah. I saw some therapists on Facebook saying like Mirabelle would make an excellent family therapist (laughs) because she can draw this out of everybody. Absolutely. Uh, So to transition just a little bit, one of the things that I saw with Mirabelle is that in the song about the family Madrigal, she says that everybody in the family is special and amazing and she's part of the family. So that makes her amazing. That makes her special, like, <laughs> and you can see the, like the expression on her face and the tone of her voice. It's like she's trying to will herself to believe this, but yes. it's not really making sense to her. And I think a lot of times as Christians and in the family of God, we have this. uh, Okay. So I believe the Bible and Uh the Bible says that God loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me. And he's given me the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit gives me gifts. And he has a purpose for my life. And it's like, we just have to grin and force ourselves to believe it because God said it when it really doesn't actually feel like that until you walk through something with God and he proves it to you.
1: Yes. And I think sometimes as Christians, we compare our gifts to the gifts of other people. We're like, look at that person. They are so great at serving and they're natural. And even though I'm serving, I kind of hate serving. It's not really my thing. Maybe they're better than me. Maybe they're more blessed than I am. Or look at that person. He's a pastor and people just listen to him and he's just a wonderful teacher. And I can't even teach my own kids the Bible because they fall asleep when I'm trying to teach. So I'm clearly something is wrong with me. I'm not special. I don't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in me because I'm not a good teacher. And really, like, you are the gift, like, just as you are. Jesus died for you. Like, he's not like, no, I'm going to die for you because you're more special. You're not special. So I didn't die for you. It's like, no, he died for you just as you are, are imperfect as you are.
0: hmm. And just thinking about the way that some of the sisters use their gifts in the in the movie uh-huh. like you said like you don't have to go pick up the donkeys and carry them in. somebody can herd them. Yes. <laughs> you know, go to go get your own donkeys and <laughs> or or you don't have to make things all beautiful with flowers just because you have the ability to and they see right. sometimes people working within the body of Christ that are doing things They're making it a lot harder (laughs) than they need to, or they're serving in an area that just isn't, isn't bringing them joy or isn't having a lot of fruit because it's not actually what God is asking them to do. So like, Uh I, I know somebody who had a beautiful voice and had the ability to lead worship, but that's her heart wasn't there to do that. And so it felt more like a chore to lead worship than, than an expression of, of this beautiful gift. She would have rather been doing something else at church, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Like that's okay. And sometimes God blesses us with a multitude of gifts. You don't necessarily have to serve with all 24 gifts that you have in the church. Like it's okay for you to pick the one thing that's your gift and you actually enjoy doing Because Christianity, to me, like, we don't have to be miserable to be Christians. Like, you just don't have to be miserable. I'm not saying that we don't have challenges. Of course we do. But it's okay to serve with joy, doing the thing that feels joyful to you, doing the thing that feels natural and amazing. You know, it doesn't have to be horrific. Like Louisa, for example, like, she was strong, but you can tell she was just kind of over. Like, I'm just sick of picking up donkeys all day long. I don't (laughs) like it. She probably doesn't even like donkeys for a thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we see kind of the metaphor of like the family has these miraculous gifts the the family of god has spiritual gifts and yes. and ways that we serve and roles that we play how about just some of the family dynamic stuff that we see in the madrigal family like let's apply that to the family of god how do we play yeah. these family yeah. dynamic roles
1: I really like Julieta's role because she actually appears to enjoy her role. Like it doesn't appear to be a burden to her. I feel like she's the perfect example of what Christianity can look like. Like, is this your natural gift that God gave you? Yes. Do you actually enjoy it? Yes. Like when she's healing and giving the food, she looks so happy. She looks so at home when she's in the kitchen. She just looks like I need to be in the kitchen because I love it here. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the picture of what it looks like. And then setting boundaries, I think, is also very important. When I think of Luisa, like, let me tell you something. Like, when they say, Luisa, the donkeys got out, like, I would say, let me show you how to herd donkeys, (laughs) and tomorrow, (laughs) when they get out, like, this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. So because you have a specific gift, and I think sometimes I see sometimes in churches where we overuse people, because we know this is their, their, their calling, and we know this is their gift. And nobody else like stands up and does that, that role anymore. We're like, okay, this is Anne's role. Only Anne can play this role. And meanwhile, Anne is like burnt out. Nobody's asking you if this is what you want to do. So setting boundaries like Louisa should have done from the beginning, like, okay, I, I only heard donkeys from 10 to two, like anything after that, you heard your own donkeys <laughs> 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 or even when I think about Mirabelle, Right. A lot of times as Christians, we don't, we don't want to be called out. We don't really like it. Like sometimes we just love it when people only talk about like the perfect things or like the fluffy things in the Bible. But when people actually call you out about something that they're convicted about in a kind way, because I think Mirabelle was pretty kind in the way she communicated with people. It's important that when we have people like that in our midst that we actually do listen and use wisdom. You don't have to agree with everything that they're saying, but just kind of listen, like, is there some wisdom to what they're saying? Is there some truth to whatever it is that she's seeing? Are there some changes that I should make? Because I think self-reflection is a great part of Christianity. You know, we're not just walking blindly. And with, um, I always forget her name, Isabel, Isabella. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm always forgetting her name. Anyway, with Isabella, she's wanting to be this like perfect person. And I see that a lot in Christian sisters. We just want to be perfect perfect in every way, no mistakes ever. We have to remember that God gives us grace. Now, I'm not saying that we should go on just sinning willy nilly like, oh, God gives me grace. I'm just going to talk anyhow and do whatever I want. No. But remember that God does give us grace. I don't know that God is expecting us to be perfect in every way all the time. It is okay to also showcase your personality in the house of the Lord. Sometimes when I walk into churches, it's like every woman is just like copy, paste, copy, paste. And I'm like, we don't all have to dress the same and look the same and talk the same. Like you can be you, God knows you have a personality, use your own personality for his glory.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm just going to ask you, Uh is
1: this scratching your need to talk about Encanto? Oh my gosh. I'm like beyond excited. Like I could talk forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and just ask you if you were given a special gift from a miraculous candle, what do you think it would be?
1: Hmm. I think I would be like a, I'd be like Bruno. I feel like I'd be like, it'd be the same thing as, cause honestly like that is my role already in life like I'm the one who says the things nobody wants to say so I think that would be it or possibly mind reading like I feel like I'd be able to like hear people's thoughts and be like should I say something or should I just let them have that one Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's funny
0: I think like of the characters there I probably identify the most with Julieta Like, I'm the one that wants to take care of people and cook for them. Yeah. And heal them and just like be well adjusted as much as possible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think that's that's my character there I guess like that's that's about the conversation that we're going to have today I'm not going to draw it out any longer no. I mean we could go deeper but I just wanted to add like a fun little episode where we could talk about some serious things and family dynamics but also do it in a fun way and then tie that into um, just how we relate to the family of God so i be you're the perfect person to talk about this
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm obsessed. Thank you for letting me talk about my little obsession.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I hope that you had a fun time listening everyone. And maybe you can comment on the Instagram posts and let me know if you had a role in the family Madrigal, what would it be? Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: The soul grit podcast is a production of soul grit resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.